0: I'm Charlotte Snyder, and I'm podcasting from the Vondek Montessori in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Today we're talking about why we use sounds in Montessori. There's any number of things that are different about the Montessori philosophy when compared to another early childhood education setting or even an elementary school. One of those differences is the use of letter sounds rather than letter names when introducing literacy. It's rather unique. When many of us think of letters, how to best prepare our children for literacy, we think of the song beginning A, B, C, D. Yet it's not uncommon for children in a Montessori classroom to be confidently reading at five, four, or sometimes even younger. Even before we introduce symbols, better known as letters, we play games that help prepare children for literacy. We encourage conversations and help children tell stories. We play games with categories like let's think of colors or let's think of the names of children in our class or birds. Then we add challenge in layers. We graduate from let's think of colors to I'm thinking of a color that begins with P. What is it? P. In this instance, is that breathy popping sound the beginning sound in pop, rather than the more common P, the name of the letter. Uh, A child might think of pink or purple. When they're able to do that regularly, we ask what other sounds they hear, and finally ask them to slide those sounds together in order. This is what we call a sound game, and we'll have an example of how to play a sound game at the end of this podcast. It's the reverse of sounding out. Rather than seeing a letter and slowly making the sounds come together to form a word we recognize, we're taking a word we know and dissecting all the parts to identify each individual sound. It's sounding out by ear rather than visually. Later, we'll attach a symbol, a letter, to each of these sounds and we'll call that writing so why sounds well in English though not in all languages a letter makes multiple sounds think of the a sound which can sound different depending on the position pairing or even what language a word derives from there's a list of words that all have that a letter in them let's take for example at eight boat tuna many water ball ward and garbage in each of those nine words we have nine different ways to pronounce the a sound and they're all correct a a o a e a o r e is it any wonder any of us ever learns to read or spell so how do we choose the sound to introduce there's a sound a letter makes most of the time or whenever it's not being modified by other letters typically vowels So in the example we made, the way we introduce the letter A is the way it sounds in the word AT, where it's not being modified by something else. In eight, it's being modified by the E at the end. In boat, it's being modified by the O. Tuna, it's being modified by the U. Many, it's being modified by the Y. Water, ball, ward, garbage, even sounding like an I in garbage, it's always being modified. So how does this letter sound when it's not being modified? That's the sound we choose to introduce to pair with the letter symbol. For instance, that letter, A, highlighted in this example, is introduced with the same sound we use in ant, Applesauce, anteater, hat, atom, animal, words that use the letter as it's sung in the song, A, B, C, D, are typically paired with a final E, like eight, scrape, plate. It's not actually the most common way we're going to use that A letter. One thing that's worth mentioning, we don't change our pronunciation. We don't mispronounce a word just because it doesn't match the first sound we introduce. So, for example, if we're playing a sound game and we're thinking of names and my name comes up, my name doesn't start with the sound k, even though it begins with the letter c. It begins with the sound sh. This letter doesn't always make this sound but this is the sound it makes most of the time and the sound it makes when it's not modified. So for instance, my name starts with the sound shh, even though it starts with the letter k. We don't modify that when playing sound games or first introducing the letters to a child. We start with sounds and all the nuances will come with experience and lots and lots of practice. We'll give more examples of this at the end of the podcast in the sound game. While we start with writing and then move to reading, probably one of the greatest gifts of starting with sounds is that it is a skill that helps children with lifelong learning. Huh, all of that from introducing a rather than a to begin? Yes, it's one of the great mysteries of the human brain that we don't deeply or truly understand how children learn literacy. Reading is a human experience, but we can't really explain how we get from talking to recognizing text on a page, even when we learn to read later in life. Because we don't truly understand it, it makes it hard to teach reading and is one of the reasons many children have a hard time with reading. The way we traditionally teach reading isn't always effective. And in the blog post accompanying this post, it's entitled, Why We Use Sounds in Montessori, there's a link to a fascinating NPR article with more about teaching children to read. As we become fluent in literacy, we read whole words, looking at a word and knowing it before we're cognitive of the reading process. It's more recognition than reading. Because this is how adults read and because adults are the ones developing curriculum and setting standard and because we don't really truly understand how we learn to read, it's easy to fall into the trap of teaching children to learn to read the way adults do, the way we adults understand reading, essentially treating everything as a sight word to be memorized. The exact question that this method doesn't address is the one that Montessori solves from the start. What about words we don't know or words we haven't read before? Sight words are lovely for very common vocabulary, and eventually we have thousands of sight words. Think of the weight review we go through when we're reading through versus thorough. But a child is just starting on this process. And even as readers with years of experience, we'll come across words we don't use frequently. As any reader of Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings will tell you, authors write words we don't know. They make them up. Decoding, sounding out, helps us learn to read words we don't know yet. And this is how we learn through reading cultivate a lifetime of learning. We start with sounds. What at first seemed so foreign is actually so natural. When we're first introducing the symbols to a child, we'll start with one main sound to introduce each letter of the alphabet. So we start with a, like apple or ant, b, like ball or boy, like cat or caterpillar d like dog or dinosaur e like elephant or egg f like frog or fish g like goat or gorilla h like horse or house i like igloo or inside j Like jump or joke. Like kitten or kangaroo. L. Like llama or lemon. M. Like mom or math. N. Like nose or nice. Ah. Like octopus or October. Like penguin or popsicle, the Q sound qu is typically introduced later with a set of letters we call phonograms uh, because it never comes in English without that U associated with it. So two letters together or multiple letters together called phonograms. So usually we don't introduce that as a single sandpaper letter r like red or Rectangle, r, s, like salamander or snake, t, like tiger or truck, a, like umbrella or upside down, v, like violin or violet, w, like wood or wet, like fox or box, y like yellow or yummy, z like zipper or zebra. So what about all the other sounds? This is where sound games are really, really valuable because a child is hearing the thousands of unique sounds that we're, we're hearing where Each letter composes different sounds depending on context or uh, even location, even different ways to pronounce based on accent or culture. So a child is, is very attuned to all these sounds, and it doesn't really matter to them that the letter A has nine different sounds. So each of those is independent in a sound game. So the way we would play a sound game is... First, to make sure that the child knows all the vocabulary that we're talking about. So if we're doing this in class, the first thing we do is to talk about the, the collection of, let's say, 10 items that we're going to have on a rug or on a table. Make sure you know the names of all those things. And then we'll play like this. So we can think of colors. So if you have a child who can recall colors or if you have something Uh, in front of you like let's say you're preparing dinner the the items you have on your cutting board or the items that you have out on the counter as you add them to a soup or or whatever the case may be or you can even play it with something that seems rather simple like I'm thinking of things in our living room if you're sitting in the living room together I'm thinking of people in our family because they they know that information they have that available to them And there's no such thing as too easy when it comes to this game. Uh, There's no such thing as as a given. All of the practice the child is doing is building toward a rich literacy experience. So the way I would play this game, let's have the example be, I have a child who's very fluent with colors, very comfortable with colors. So I'm thinking of a color that starts with r. What is it? And they might come up with red or I'm thinking of a color that begins with p and there's two options here so they might say pink or purple if this is really easy for them we just add another layer of challenge so I'm thinking of a color that begins with b and ends with u. so a note for adults the last letter in in blue is e we don't say I'm thinking of a word that starts with b and ends with e We say the sound that we hear. So when I'm describing blue, I'm thinking of a color that starts with B and ends with OO. What is it? It might come with blue. And if they can do that, I might ask them, do you hear any other sounds in blue? And this is where the magic really happens, because they often will sound it out in their mind, and you can see them scanning their mind. They say B, L, OO, L, -l 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 B. Which is exactly what they're going to do when they visually see the word blue. They're sounding it out. So we could play this game. I'm thinking of a word that starts with y and ends with o. Again, adults. The last letter in yellow is w. It's rare for us to hear yellow W. Unless we have a very exact pronunciation. Most of us pronounce yellow. Yellow. Y-E-L-O. So we don't say the last sound. I'm thinking of a word that starts with Y and ends with W. I'm thinking of a word that starts with Y and ends with O. So we're giving cues based on what a child is hearing, not what we're seeing in our minds. It's a little tricky to get started because it's absolutely natural to be seeing the word in our minds and giving the sound that we think should be there, but it's important to, to give the sound that a child would be hearing, not the sound as we see the word in our minds and also don't limit yourself to those 26 pronunciations um, of the letters as we first introduce them visually because we want the child to be identifying all the different sounds that they hear not just the ones that they're going to see later with literacy. If we were playing this with names, My name is a really lovely example because none of the letters are pronounced the way they should be. The way my name is written is C-H-A-R-L-O-T-T-E, but my name is pronounced, I'm thinking of a name, that starts with SH and ends with T. Who is it? Charlotte. Do you hear any other sounds? SH-R-L-I-T. That R sound is a phonogram. You can't really eke them apart when you're sounding out. Sh r a r. If a child has a really attuned ear, they might be able to hear the difference between those two sounds, but often they, they come together in that R ar- sound. Sh r l i t. Those are none of the right sounds as attributed to the letters. But they all make a lot of sense when we're sounding out. And my name isn't the only time a child would encounter that pronunciation. So they're having a lot of familiarity with the different pronunciation that comes with each different letter, not just the one they're going to encounter most frequently. Sound games can be a little tricky to start, but they're a huge gift. And once you get the hang of it, it starts to come pretty easily and it's a great filler of time it's a great thing to do when you're sitting in a doctor's office looking around i'm thinking of something in the doctor's office uh, that starts with ch- what is it it's a chair or i'm thinking of something on the side of the road that starts with l. what is it and that traffic jam suddenly turns into a sound game as they identify lamp or light or lumber truck, any number of things that they can see. Um, So it's a good opportunity to increase an awareness of literacy and give those phonemic awareness skills. Even when we're stuck somewhere, when we're stuck in traffic or stuck waiting for an appointment or for an older sibling to be done with something or just as we're getting ready for bed. It's a wonderful, wonderful activity and it directly benefits a child's experience in literacy. So we very much hope this added a little bit of explanation to sound games and sound awareness and why we use sounds rather than names in the classroom. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bondec, and email us with questions, comments, and suggestions at hello at bondec.org. Until next time.